With a vast knowledge of architecture and a love for craft beverages, Harold combines his love into a career of building craft breweries. Harold talks about his other ventures, including religious and medical buildings, his love for building everything he uses, including his boat, and what he likes to do when he relaxes. If you're looking to start or buy a brewery, this is a must-listen-to episode as we go over the do's and don'ts many people don't realize when building out. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. Welcome, everybody. Episode 326 of the Better on Draft podcast. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly appreciate it. Just a reminder, we will be off next week as we will uh, be at the UP Beer Festival. At least I will be there. Uh, So feel free to come by and say hi. Uh, But let's go around and see what everybody is drinking, starting with Wendy. Wendy, what do you got? I um, have got picked up one of Rob's Robert's Lemon Woo Bars from Eastern Market. It is deliciously tart. I hope that he thinks it does his mom's favorite dessert justice. And um, just to keep my bases covered, I also have a Juicy Bits from Wildworks. Daniel, what do you got? All right. Going hard with my own stuff today. I've got a bottle of my Bolshevik Baltic Porter and my go-to Gulag Russian Imperial Stout. Getting ready for a show tonight, I see. What are you going yep. to see tonight? Uh, Pantera and Metallica. All right. Uh, we do have a guest host with us today. Gary, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us what you're drinking and uh, a little bit about yourself. Hey, hey guys. I'm Gary. I'm down here in Pula, Georgia, outside Savannah. I'm drinking a little seed right now. Um, con- continental, little baby crusher because it's hot out here still. 92 degrees today. Yay. Um, straight to rock and roll, have some fun today. All right, for myself, I have an Alaskan amber uh, from our great guests. From was it just last week, two weeks ago? And then I also have a milkshake stout from the now RIP Rochester Mills Brewery production facility. <laughs> at least, uh, we should still be able to get these beers over at the brew pub, but no longer in stores. Uh, with that in mind, we do have a guest. Uh, to join us a little bit different than our normal type of guest. Why don't you uh, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us what you do, and of course, what you're drinking. Ah, good afternoon, or actually evening. Harold Remlinger, uh, Design Team Plus. I'm the principal architect, and we are a brewery architecture firm. We've done uh, 18 projects through the state of Michigan, um, various stages for breweries. And what am I drinking? Well, I'm going for my my favorite type, which is a triple ale from... Uh, 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 which is a final absolution from Dragon Mead. And then in my little ice bucket behind me, which you can't see, I have a Thunderkiss 65 from Warwater up in St. Clair, Michigan. And then if we get a little bit too crazy, I got some happy refresher to go non-alcoholic. Always good to balance with a non-alcoholic beer, especially with some of the uh, the ABVs of the beers that we're getting uh, into on these shows sometimes. Uh, so you are a brewery architecture firm. Well, you work for a brewery architecture firm. You are not a physical firm yourself. Uh, what are, let's, let's start with the easy softball question. What are some of the breweries that we might've seen your work? 
Okay, so real quick, we got um, starting from way back when, this will go back before Design Team Plus, which is my current firm. I worked on uh, the Great Baraboo Brewing Company in Clinton Township. Um, that's going back to late 90s, early 2000s. Fast forward about 10 years, um, 2010, the Multi Dog Brewing Company, which is a little nano brewery and homebrew store in Southfield. Um, and then we took some major uh, steam in about 2014 to today, where we did Draft Horse, Rustic Leaf, Stigs Up and Boyne, Drafting Table. We've done work for Cadillac Straight Supply House and Brewery, Sheboygan Brewing Company. We have currently right now permitted and under construction heights coming to downtown Farmington, uh, Stumblebum coming to Troy, Michigan, and then a couple of unbuilt projects for Loaded Dice and Black Hop. Then awesome. we do have a couple of distilleries that we've, uh, we've helped master plan and uh, one that right now we're kind of talking to, but can't say who it is and location because it's not for your knowledge. Well, other than breweries and distilleries, I guess maybe tap rooms, bars, restaurants. Do you do any other design work? Yeah, uh, yeah, we're team? we're we're yeah, we're very diverse. We 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 basically don't try to do one type of architecture. So we do office remodels, office build outs, obviously restaurants. Uh, we do medical. Um, we've done uh, uh, currently that was just opened up downtown Ferndale. We did a um, therapy park for a. A therapy center that works with uh, children with learning and uh, mental disabilities. So we created an outdoor therapy park so that they can, you know, have active bodies to get healthy minds. Um, we've worked on uh, religious institutions, uh, the Coptic Orthodox Church, um, synagogues, United Methodist Church, so uh, Lutheran Church as well. So pretty much across the board. And then we do do um, some small uh, amount of residential, but we still do some residential. Well, before I pass it off to uh, to Wendy, because I know she's got some questions that she wants to uh, ask you, what when, when we think about breweries, you know, we're trying to figure out what uh, what's going to keep you in. And obviously you need an aesthetic, you need a look, not just for it to be uh, feasible, like workable, like the ability to brew in there and serve customers. Um, as a person who I am assuming also goes to breweries for fun, uh, what are some of the more over like overlooked qualities in a brewery build out um, that you kind of see in a lot of other breweries that they don't take advantage of because they didn't pick you? A lot of times, I mean, not necessarily that they didn't pick me or they had a very tight budget or they tried to do it on their own. Um, their branding. How are they actually exemplifying their branding, which is, you know, on their cans, on their bottles, within the actual, we call the built environment. You know, you have to, we want to reinforce their brand through every aspect of the project, you know, and every aspect of the tap room or the actual brew house. You know, what is your focus and what are you looking at? And, you know, if I gave an example of like Draft Horse that was, you know, regarding equestrian, having rustic, but also they wanted to show how that they're having the, the highest quality beer coming out of there. So tap room that's behind me, that's in Draft Horse Brew right there so we brought in extremely durable materials that can remain clean can be pristine at all times because it can be easily washed down people view it from the tap room and they see that going wow their beer must be good because they're keeping their tap room clean so um as for the equestrian side we kind of made the space look like a um uh, a tap room inside of a horse stable 
And then to actually sort of reinforce the name, which is draft horse, going back to horses, which a lot of people don't notice unless somebody tells them or points it out to them. But every table and bar top in the space is made out of pressed straw. So the countertop surface, the table surface is all pressed straw. And then, you know, the rustic comes in with the uh, the lath background on their on their uh, t- on their bar back bar, the rustic barn wood that we had in there, the historic saddles that we had in there. And then a little fun fact, they had sort of a cease and desist on the name from some brewery, which I won't name, but they use large horses to pull wagons around. And um, they agreed that you can keep the name as long as they don't advertise with horses. So we ended up getting the first township approved in Oakland County, a two horse horse parking space out front that people could ride their horses to and then take selfies with their horses with the name of the brewery in the background. And I think the most they had at one point was almost like 15 horses showed up with riders. So again, a little spin like that, that we can do to kind of like heighten the brand name and things that people just don't think about, but they're there and they just keep reinforcing, you know, the, the, the name of the brewery. We always ask our brewers, give us three adjectives to explain your brewery. And then we try to work those three adjectives into their project. Well, that actually leads into one of the questions that I had, because I'm just interested when you started getting into this niche, uh, what are some of the places that you drew inspiration from? Um, so we, we try not to mimic or try to um, replicate somebody else's work. So we, we focus specifically on the actual brewery and the owners themselves. If they have marketing material that they've worked with a graphic artist for all their labels and their menus and everything of that nature, their logos, we like to get a hold of those. What are the colors that they're using, the fonts that they're using? What is the message they're trying to tell? And then we develop the brewery for them and them specifically. So Cadillac Straits, when we did that, it's all about Cadillac Straits or basically Straits of Detroit, um, you know, the Fort Detroit Cadillac himself. So looking at the bar when you walk in, you don't notice it. But if you look down to it, we actually have a very sharp point in the actual bar top, which actually replicates the actual sort of embankments or, or cannon uh, towers on the Fort Detroit. So we tried to bring in some historic nature or historic um, relevance to their project because they were using Cadillac Straits, really wanting to do that. We designed a wallpaper with the map of Detroit, historic map of Detroit with Fort Detroit shown on it. Um, unfortunately, budget came into play. They did not put that in. It's still something that they want to do. So, and then the other thing that they wanted to do, they wanted to be a teaching brewery. So your focus when you walk in the door was the brew house right in their dining area, front and center, bar top that people could sit at and ask questions to the brewer while they're working in there. So again, things like, um, you know, using what they intend to do to help drive the actual design, but not copying off of somebody else as an inspiration. Do you feel that uh, breweries are putting a little more um, thought 
I'd say effort, but I think thought is probably the better word for it, um, into the design and build of their breweries than they have in the last 10 years? I, I am seeing a little bit more of a drive and a push towards that. I think some of that's coming from the lecture series that were coming out of the Brewers Guild at the conference from, um, you know, people speaking about marketing and branding and, and those items to basically set themselves apart from somebody else. Because at one point in time, it's like almost every brewery you walked into or I walked into, the bar was made out of used pallets. They had used pallets on the wall. They had beer barrel or, you know, barrels for table. It was the same motif, the same design over and over again, you know, raw concrete for the floors and it's like well that's great but i can go down street down the street and walk in another brewery and it looks just like you with a different name on it so and the how exact do you, same chairs and the same exact same chairs which all <laughs> come from premier furniture for some reason but you know they're, they're sturdy chairs they do a good job i mean mine breweries have those in them as well um <laughs> But yeah, I am seeing, you know, even with some of the breweries that we're not designing or working with, but I know the owners and they're going through redesign, I'm seeing that come into it. Um, you know, Sheboygan Brewing Company hired us because they needed to be noticed and uh, they they weren't being noticed. And the f- first presentation that we did, I said, okay, here's my idea for the outside. And I pulled up a rendering and I painted the building the color of their blood orange honey cans that burnt umber and that burnt pumpkin and their jaws dropped and went oh my god that's amazing and then we did an interior rendering where we designed this wallpaper that had the the map of michigan and on the map of michigan was every um off-road trail snowmobile trail river hiking trail and what brought us to that was I went to measure the place and there was four side-by-sides pulled up in front and they're inside drinking beer going, well, where's the trail to have a side-by-side out front, at least four of them. So we started researching it and actually the bell, uh, the iron bell trail, which goes from iron mountain to bell Isle in, in Detroit goes right by them. So we present that. And one of the owners goes, I never thought about that. I actually promote and, Put, give money to all these trail systems because I use them. So now on their website, if you go on their website, they have all the trail maps as part of their website. So they fully embrace that idea of the outdoors in Michigan, which is one of their key sort of adjectives that they threw out to us. And then we just brought it back into it. We worked with their landscape architect to create a really cool outdoor space. And Within the first year of them completing the project, not only do they have good beer, which is helping, but just because people could find them, they had a 52% increase in sales at their tap room. Nice. In one year. And the following year, it was up 15% from the previous year. So they're doing a great job marketing and getting their beer out in the store and they're making a really good you know, amount of beer and tasting beer. But then again, here comes our design that just reinforced all of what they were standing behind and trying to do. That's awesome. So before I pass it over to Gary, cause I yep. know he's got some stuff he wants to ask you. Um, I read a whole bunch of different articles and it seems like volunteerism has been um, a huge part of your company culture right from the get. Yes. So I was just curious, what are some of the ways that giving back is promoted in your firm? So every year we try to find an organization, the 501c3, that we can actually go volunteer our time to 
or we can work with and give an in-kind gift as part of our design fees to them. So Sherry Stein, my business partner, um, who she and I were introduced to each other in 2012 while teaching at Lawrence Tech. And somebody had, you know, asked us, which was a friendship circle, if we could help design a apartment for a 21-year-old lady with cerebral palsy who's always lived with her parents in an efficiency apartment. And Sherry reached out to me and said, would you be willing to do this? And I said, yeah, let's do it. So that's how she and I got together. Um, we designed that. We we called all of our friends in the industry from construction to IT to millwork, and they all volunteered their time. And we created this space for her to live in and be with her friends and everything else. So from that point forward, we had a, a nonprofit, not, not nonprofit, but a low profit entity, um, which was called Team for Community, Design Team Plus, absorbed it because we wanted to have it part of our core value. So last year during the harvest season, our whole office went to Yada's Food Pantry and we did a harvest with them. We actually harvested vegetables, washed them, weighed them, packaged them for them to give out to their patrons that need their services and need the food. Um, this year, we're probably going to go to a food pantry, which is through the St. Mark, St. Mary, St. Philip Hedder, um, uh Parish, which is a part of the Coptic Orthodox Church. And we're going to donate some of our time to there. One of our um, employees just did a backpack packing for, you know, start of school with one of the chambers, you know, donated his time to do that. And then a lot of us sit on different uh, commissions. I sit on a high school and a community college, Romeo High School, Macomb Community College, um, for their architectural class as uh, one of their um, advisory committees. And then uh, another one of our employees, Joe Alter, she sits on that on the Macomb Community College one. She also volunteers her time for the Village of Warren Historic District. So we we promote this within our organization. And every year we try to do something. And then uh, this past year, we worked with Life Lab Kids, which is the um, therapy center that I spoke to um, about what we did with the park. And we did an in-kind gift where we helped select the playground equipment that would be suitable for their um, clientele and, and patients coming to them. So it was safe and they could use it and it would allow everybody to enjoy the park. So, and, and our, our firm enjoys that. Uh, the, the, the employees just gravitate towards it. And we, it's just that really good feeling. That's fantastic. Um, and real quick, though, why is it important to you as a business owner to do that? Um, I think, you know, you, you need to share your knowledge to organizations that sometimes don't have the means to help pay for the, the work that they're doing or what they're, they're trying to do. Um, we also, because we met this way, we always felt that we need to do it. And this is something that goes way back in my history. I started in 1985, promoting car shows for handicapped Boy Scouts. And I did that for 21 years. And to this day, it is still part of the city of Warren's birthday celebration with the same Boy Scout troop. So um, it's it just, it makes you feel good. And I think that's the biggest reason we feel good doing it. That's awesome. Gary, I'm gonna pass it to you. Thanks, real quick. Dad, I'm gonna live mic here. Dad, I'm on a live mic. Sorry about that. 
<laughs> no problem, Gary. <laughs> uh, that was great. You work with the Boy Scouts as a former member. Thank you for helping out. I appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. I think I had the best troop number ever. Seven Eleven. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go a little bit different route here. All right. Is I see you do fly fishing. Yes, I do. Uh, I have done it a couple of times. I still love fishing in general. Where, like here, I see you doing fly. You do fly tying. That's an art in, its, in itself. Like, what do you like to do more when you do that? Like, what's your favorite pattern? What's your favorite fish you want to go after? So, um, I love going after salmon and trout. Um, that's usually you know, not something I can get to do most of the time. So, here on the island where I'm at, um, we have a ton of panfish and bass and pike. So, I love using like a teeny nymph or even doing, um, let's see, what's the other one? Uh, Royal Coachman works out really well. Some deer hair spun poppers for on the surface for bass. Um, some terrestrials uh, doing uh, grasshoppers for on the surface for going after bass in the spring. Prince nymphs are and little um, uh, beadhead uh, caddis nymphs are phenomenal for underwater for bluegill and crappie and it's early morning on the canal just early spring before the weeds and the lily pads come in non-stop just pulling out some just monster gills um salmon uh we'll use some uh beadhead caddis we'll use stone flies um for under on the water and then that's just a blast in the middle of the night, standing knee deep in the river, just in slammed by salmon, you know, at your legs, almost taking you out as you're going upstream. Uh, that's just fun as can be. And then I'm going to be going up in a couple of weeks to do a little bit of brown um, brook trout fishing. So those will be bringing out some really tiny, um, you know, um, taped wing uh, caddisflies, or we'll be bringing out some little ant patterns and, and just kind of scoot those across the surface of the water and have them pick them up. But fly tying, I, I love doing that because I have a, a little bit of ADD and I need to focus a lot of times where I over hyperly focus on stuff. So just being able to put those blinders on, having a good beer or bourbon in your hand, used to smoke cigars while doing it, but I gave that up in 2009. Um, you're no times three, four hours have gone by, handful of flies have been tied, and you can just look at going, wow, I created that. That's cool. Uh, I didn't start doing it to save money because there's no way you're going to save money tying your own flies. I find you start spending way too much money <laughs> on material. You know, when you're spending $90 on a, you know, a, a, a hackle or whatever like that, it's like, yeah, no, maybe not. So... But yeah, those are those where I get. But you know, we get some monster bass here uh, in Michigan by Harsons Island on the bay, on Muskemoot Bay, and all the, the tributaries around here. Very nice. Uh, haven't done much freshwater fishing lately, okay. water. But yeah, I can relate to that and saving money. Every <laughs> 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 containers full of lures I've never used before. I mean, I got the garage full of fishing rods and reels. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, I get that. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 a, it becomes an addiction. I mean, 1995 rolled around, and I went, I need a drift boat. 
I don't want to buy one. I'm going to design and build my own. So I, you know, read all the books on it, read all the books on it by Gujan Brothers on boat building and the West Systems Epoxy. And next thing you know, I'm out in the garage building a 14 and a half foot stress skin mahogany drift boat custom design. And I still have it to this day. I do have to do a little bottom repairment because it took a little beating on some rocks and starting to get a little soft, but that's what it was there for. So, but uh, being able to hop in a boat and just go down a river and just be by yourself around a bend and just, you know, wildlife everywhere. You can't beat it. That is so true. Just kicking back, relaxing. I yep. can't. <laughs> Very Gee, nice. I always said it was cheaper than a therapist, but after time, I think I spent more on gear than on a therapist, probably. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yep. Um, can I get one more question? Go for it. Cool. Would you ever go do some saltwater fishing or just going to primarily just stick to freshwater? I would love to do saltwater fishing. I would love to be on a flats boat doing some bone fish or, or something like that. I would love to be out there doing that. Haven't had the chance to, um, was hoping to when I was doing some work down in Florida, but I could, I never brought my gear down with me and never found somebody to take me out. But definitely that's something I would, I would look at, look forward to doing. Well, if you get bored, come to Savannah. We got, we don't have the flat flats, but we do have shallow water, sea trout, flounder, drum. Nice. nice. We can go yeah. off too, have some real fun. Awesome. I would love to do that. Sounds good. Cheers. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to go ahead and pivot back to the uh, brewery tap room that sort of build out. Go for it. Have you ever had a project come across your desk that you were just flat out uh, saying no to? And why did you say no to it? I So within the brewing industry, we have not turned one down yet. So we have worked with them. Typically, all the brewers that have come to us have been referrals from another brewery. And that's the one thing that we love about the industry Every owner of a brewery is a friend with all the other owners of the breweries, and they all support each other. Um, and it's to the point of where I actually bring the head brewers and the owners of breweries to into my projects to help mentor the entrepreneur trying to start their own brewery. So we have not turned any brewery away um, or distillery for that matter. Um We've we've always had a, a great working relationship with them. All right. Now, kind of sticking with the same theme there, have you had anyone be unhappy with the finished project and how did you resolve it? So, you know, we've had outside of the brewing industry, obviously, yeah, we've had some clients that may have not have liked the design as we're going through and working on it. Um, you know, we do have within our budget ample time built in to go through reiterations of the design to work to a point to where we can get it to what they do like and it's within where they want to go in the direction. You know, a lot of times it's communication. You know, are they communicating to us their actual intentions or they're just saying what they think we want to hear? So we have to do a lot of upfront just conversations with them as to, you know, what are you looking for? Do you have any inspiration photos that you like that you can share with us? It's hard to read your mind, but if you can put it together in an image, 
Um, sometimes you get like an image where somebody says they want to do com- contemporary, but then we get an image of something that looks Victorian. It's like, well, wait a minute. These are two kind of, and they go, oh no, I like the door handles in the Victorian one only. I didn't like the whole thing, but I still want to go the other way. So we have to do invest, basically be investigators to, to come down and, and base and, and basically, you know, pull it out of them. But it's, it's about communication, having that open, you know, means of communication, providing them with, you know, um, so, let me explain the process of, of our design process. So if we, we get a, a brewery that comes in, we talk to them about their, their size of the brewery, uh, not only just a tap room, because we also get fully involved in doing the whole brew house as well, distribution area of it. If they're doing canning or bottling, you know, how does that fall into place? Um, we, we go through their program requirements, as it's called, and then we will get our contract together and then they sign the contract. We move forward. But first steps first is like, let's look at programming. Let's look at feasibility. Let's look at adjacencies. You know, what rooms need to be next to what rooms based on your program? How does that arrange within the building space that you have? And is it even feasible to do what you want to do in the building that you're looking on leasing? So early on, we can come in and do test fits and feasibility studies on a lease space that they may have not assigned a lease yet on or have signed a lease, but have a 90 day, 100 day um, due diligence period. And if we find out code reasons or spatial reasons or even environmental reasons that, you know what, you need to get out of this. It's not a good fit for you. Um, They have that ability to get out. After programming, we go into schematic design where we start coming up with loose design sketches based on our feasibility and our programming. And we will give one, two, three iterations of what that floor plan is going to look like. Um, you know, this, I'll, I'll, one example was, you know, StumbleBum Brewing Company, they, they came to us and they wanted us to design a brewery based around the Scandinavian term Huga. But in the meantime, their brewery was named StumbleBum, who was a bum that wandered the United States or wandered the world carrying his little sack on his shoulder that looked like a hop, but he was clean cut and dressed nice. He wasn't really a bum. He was just eccentric. Um, so we go through the whole exercise for Huga and we really went towards Scandinavia heavy. And he's like, this is kind of missing the point for like the bum. He's supposed to be like traveling. And I go, so well, bums travel on like rail cars. So I did a quick sketch of the bar face, making it look like an old rail car. And he went, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. So we changed some other stuff. So again, it, it's, it's getting, you know, what is it that you really want to have? And how do we actually express it? So he was kind of like, eh, I'm, not, I'm liking it, but I'm not liking it. You're missing the mark. I want to. But in the end, we turned it around. It's under construction right now. We were so afraid that we're going to value engineer out the, the rail car because it was so intricate in building it. And he said, not value engineering that out. That's getting built. So um, he's moving forward with that. But so back to the process, schematic design, if we have to go in front of the township, the city, um, for site plan approval because it's you know looking at parking, looking at landscaping. Are they expanding it as a new build? Are they changing the exterior colors? Uh, we'll take it through that process. We'll ex- but, you know we'll work with them on that. Once that's approved, they love their schematic design. We move into design development where we bring in all of our consulting engineers, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, structural engineers if needed. Um, we've created a 
like sort of a, a conglomerate of trade or engineers and professionals that we can support the brewery to any extent. We have business consulting agents that can write the business plan and help them get investment packages put together and get financing for the brewery. We have the um, commercial insurance provider. We have web page marketing and menu design that we can provide to them and, and you know give them the name of the referral to. Uh, we have um, uh, biggest one is legal. Getting that MLCC license or a brewery license in any state, you you need a knowledgeable legal team that does this day in and day out because a lot of breweries just sort of linger waiting for that license to come through. Whereas if you have the professional, you know, or hire all the professionals, you can focus on what you need to focus on: your recipes and your beer. Let us do the work to help your brewery get facilitated. Um, we'll have a handful of meetings with design development. Uh, we'll start doing interior design at that time, selecting colors, materials, finishes for the tap room, for the brew house. Uh, we'll start showing pros and cons. We'll give adults and deduct adults like, you know, if you put this in, it's going to cost more. But if you take this out, it's going to cost less. So we give options um, within our drawings. And then it, once they approve that, we move into the actual, you know, nuts and bolts or the construction documents, which goes for the contractor to the city for permits, the health department for health licensing, um, which is really just the afterthought or the product of our knowledge that we bring to the table. Uh, and we stay on board during construction to do site visits, uh, write site reports. Are they following the documents? Have there been any unforeseen conditions, you know, draft horse, um, you know, we ended up taking a look at the floor where the t uh, all the fermenters were supposed to go and realized that the existing floor needed to come out because it would not be able to support a 20-barrel fermenter on three legs. And we didn't want to see a domino effect happening. So, you know, we, we work with, the, with the, the owner and we work with the contractors throughout the whole construction process till it's approved, permitted, and open for business. All right. Now, keeping with that theme, uh, you don't have to name any names if you don't want to, but yeah. what was the most difficult design that you worked on? Ooh, most difficult design that we worked on. Um, I want to say, I'll name names because it's an unbuilt project, and that was Blackhop because it was a very small building. Um, the three adjectives was crazy, sexy, cool. Um, and the, the building that they were looking on purchasing was like an ice cream or a pastry shop that was painted pink and purple and teal, uh, with some very ugly ethos on it. So we had to figure out how to get rid of that, make it crazy, sexy, cool, be able to get a tap room in there to max out the occupancy as close as we could to 100 without having to put in fire suppression and sprinklers. But then in the brew house, get a three barrel system with five fermenters, a distillery in there for doing craft distillation and a kitchen with a, um, a turbo chef conveyor oven for doing flatbreads and sandwiches. I mean, it was a tight fit and it's like we squeezed every inch out of this project and it turned out absolutely cool. And then funding could not get you know, obtained and the project did not get built. I'm actually with the 
words they gave you to work off of. I'm surprised you didn't make it uh, themed off of the band TLC. I think well, that would have been pretty. <laughs> we we did we did we did catch that, um, but we didn't want to like go that route. Uh, you know, we did some really cool things with their awning because they were black hopped and, and it was you know had the uh, hop motif in there. And the city would not allow you to do graphics that had the name of the building in it. So we took their graphic and exploded it and broke it up on the awnings that if you looked at the awnings and you knew their logo, you knew it was them, but it didn't say black hop. So we did some cool things with the awnings. We did, you know, punched windows and areas, open the space up because again, you know, one thing I learned being in this industry and doing a lot of restaurants, I mean, you want to see and you want to be seen, you know, if you're in a cool restaurant, you want people walking down the street going, Hey, look, there's Dan having a beer. Let's go say hi to him. Hey, he's in a cool place. Um, or you want to have Dan going, Hey friends, come over here, you know, to have a beer with me. Cause you could see them walking by. You know, the, the, the worst thing you can do is just board it up and not let anybody see what's going on inside because if there's excitement and there's movement inside, more people are want to come in and see why is there excitement and movement going on inside or if you get a band in there playing. So we opened that place up and the city loved it. They approved it immediately. Um, unfortunately, like I said, it didn't get built, but it, it was, it, you know, we brought in for like the 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 sexy we brought in like um iridescent uh, iridescent ceramic mosaic tile for the exterior elevation around the entry door uh we brought in a lot of lighting that was very glitzy we brought in a lot of really high gloss finishes on the interior again to exemplify what a cool space somewhat crazy patterns in it but it just was damn right sexy and one more question here before yep. I pass it off to Ken. Kind of staying on the same theme, what is the weirdest request you've received from a brewery? Ooh, weirdest request. Um, crap, what would be the weirdest request? Um, I don't think anybody was weird. Um, Sheboygan was pretty straightforward. Cadillac Straits didn't have anything. They just let us drive it. Um, Stig's. Well, Stiggs, I mean, I, th I think one of the odd things there is, I don't know if anybody knows Stiggs Brewery Company, there's a whole comic strip about Stiggs. He's a lumberjack that saves the world with beer, fighting people like sneaky squirrels. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know what the other ones are. They're kind of, they're a whole series of it. So anyways, um, bringing in that whole lumberjack theme into the design of the building. Uh, and that building was historic preservation. So the cool thing, it used to be an office for a lumberyard that burnt down in late 1800s. Then they moved it to downtown Boyne City, rebuilt it, put brick on it, and made it the offices for the Boyne Alpena Railroad. And then it was a historic district. So we did full historic preservation on that building. We kept everything. Um, crazy idea that I did is we did a bottle cap mosaic of the sun setting over Lake Sheboygan on the bar face. And we ran Lake Sheboygan down onto the ground in front of the bar on the floor. And everybody asked why we did that. And I said, well, it's to basically, yes, there you go. So the, the tile on the floor is supposed to emulate what's known as a running spittoon where water would flow down and those rough and wild bars of the North Lumberjack Company. And you could either spit in it or you could just stand there and urinate in it while you're drinking your beer. So that was my crazy idea that I brought into that. <laughs> How do you go about 
cultivating all of these bottle caps, like curating, I guess would be the right word. They ended up, we ended up buying those. So they're not used bottle caps because used bottle caps are always bent and we hated it. So we ended up finding a source to buy unused fresh bottle caps. So we actually um, collaborated with an artist out of Ferndale uh, who did One-Eyed Betty's, I think it was, or um, in Ferndale. And she created that on three or four plywood panels that we then shipped up to Boyne City. And it got put together like tile work on the, on the wall of the bar. Well, uh, continuing with breweries, a lot of breweries like to focus on sustainability and lessening their carbon footprint. Um, what kind of design aspects can be included to help reach their goals, whether they're doing a um, remodel or a new build out? Yeah, so so one of the things we look at um, from the beginning is materiality. You know, what what is the material that we're putting in there? We try to source stuff that is predominantly Michigan-based or based within the state we're doing the work in. That way we're cutting down on delivery costs and using, you know, fossil fuels for having material brought in from thousands of miles away or shipped in from Europe or whatever it is. So we look at items like that. Um, we also look at items of um, sustainability in the form of durability. You know, what are we putting in there? How, what is the longevity of it? Is it meeting the standards of commercial grade material? Is it going to wear well? Are you going to have to replace it in three years, five years, or 10 years? We want something that's going to have some longevity to it. Um, Stigs, the bar top, we source from a local sawmill. So again, we're keeping it local. We're using um, waste product like from a sawmill. Uh, draft horse, obviously, the pressed straw tabletops and countertops. So again, we're taking agricultural waste product and we're using that. A um, lot of the, the, the back bar, which was wood lath, all that wood lath was recycled out of homes in downtown Detroit that were being demoed because they were vacant and they were you know, a blight on the city. So now we're using recycled material, but we're using it in a way that we know it's going to be durable. It's going to last and it's going to, you know, again, um, be reused. Uh, I have not yet had a brewery be able to come in and do solar energy or solar power on their roof to help with their electrical costs. A lot of these buildings have been small roof footprints. Um, facing possibly the wrong direction, a lot of mechanical equipment on the roof that would, you know, basically not allow for the solar panels to be installed properly in the array that you would need to do on the roof. I have a background with doing solar energy and solar design. I got a project um, in Treasure Island, Florida with 14.4 kW on the roof. So I have that knowledge and I taught sustainable design at Lawrence Tech. Um, so we, tr I would love to be able to get one of the breweries to go, hey, we really want to, you know, try to do all our lighting and what we can. I mean, but a brewery is very much energy intensive. It consumes a lot of energy and you, you can, if, but use the solar for what you can use it for lighting, um, you know, smaller appliances, things of that sort. Uh, the only thing with Michigan you know, we get four and a half hours of good sunlight on average per day. Obviously, our summers have longer or winters have shorter. So it averages out four and a half hours, which isn't too bad because Florida's five and a half hours average. Uh, but, you know, it's the, the payback 
over a course of years usually um, gets value engineered and they're cut out of the project because it doesn't pay back in time. You're spending a lot of upfront costs. And again, as everybody knows, breweries are very expensive to get up and running by the time you buy your brew system, by the time you get your, if you need a boiler, if you need a chiller, if you, you know, coolers, you know, all that that goes into keg washers. And, you know, if you're doing a kitchen, a full kitchen, that becomes very costly. So there's a lot of just upfront cost within the actual brewery itself to where they're focusing on that. But solar would be one of them. If you have a large property and we can do geothermal for heat, I would love to do geothermal on projects. I've done it for residential projects. I have not had a commercial project do one yet. Um, we do look, if it's a new build and it's a flat roof, we do bring in light color roofing materials so it reflects the sunlight so you're not having to cool your building as much. Um, so, because again, you have a lot of heat and latent heat from the steam within a brewery that we got to get rid of. So you're typically cooling all the time. Uh, so that type of ideas, we do look at the glazing, make sure the energy performance on the glazing, any of the walls, we make sure that we're meeting or exceeding all the energy codes for walls and ceiling insulation. So those items we do, and it's, it's part of our, our core, um, of our of our office and our design we always want to be sustainable we always want to think about the environment we want to always do the holistic approach to a project regardless if you're a brewery if you're a medical office if you're a retail facility if you're a cannabis facility we always want to bring in that holistic approach of bringing in um making sure that the highest performing buildings we can get for the use in which you're using it well Thank you for that answer. Obviously, I know a lot of people, the the upfront cost to a lot of these uh, projects, sustainability, solar, carbon dioxide reuse, like a lot of that is um, extremely expensive. And as you said, breweries are expensive to start. Uh, but what about for like, say, for instance, there are people out there who aren't necessarily doing a, a new build, like you talked about StumbleBond. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe they're trying to go into a brewery that's move in, like say um, Fort Street Brewing down in Lincoln Park. That's still mm -hmm. up for sale. Um, it just what sold. Are... Oh, it just sold. They they auctioned off all of the brewing equipment a while back, and the building just sold. So I'm trying to get an invite uh, or an invitation or a a um, not an invitation, but basically an introduction to the owner. So. I have somebody who sits on a DDA down there and they're possibly trying to get me to come and do a quick lecture to the DDA on restaurants and design to see if um, somebody will bite and think about doing something with that place. So uh, obviously now that my uh, example is not necessarily <laughs> uh, current, what, what about like a, a brewery that maybe has been um, not brewing for the last few years? Mm -hmm. They've been out of business. Like what is something that someone going in or even for a restaurant, like what are yeah. the things that they should look first for um, structural wise yeah. that you know, because you don't want to go in, buy it, and then there's a hundred thousand dollar bill that just lands on you. Like, Correct. What, what what are some tips uh, you would give to new restaurant entrepreneurs who are trying to get into a turnkey restaurant? Got got a great examples on that. Um, you know, some of some of the ones. I mean, say it's been sitting for a while. I mean, 
you know, if it's a restaurant, we had a lot of fog, fats, oils, and greases going down that drain. You know, one of the first things is get those drains scoped, have your, your grease trap inspected. Is that grease trap actually working? Um, one of the other things I suggest first off is get a hold of the city engineers because some communities will not allow you to connect a brewery up to a municipal waste system because if they have a, a small community and they have a private um, treatment facility, they may not be able to handle the BODs that you're sending down in your waste, your bioorganic demand. Um, and we've had Lion Township is a perfect example of that with Draft Horse. And the first words out of their mouth was, you will not connect to our sewer system. You will you know, contain, pump, and haul all your waste off your site. And we went, uh, no. So we had to teach to them because they didn't understand that beer was still 98% water or whatever it is. Um, they thought we were putting all this waste down the drain. We had to t- tell them that we're doing side streaming, you know, taking a spent grain, spent yeast true, getting rid of that before we start flushing stuff down the drain. Um, but we've had a, uh, a distillery that wanted to move in that township. And I said, go talk to the engineer. And he called me up afterwards, said, oh, my God, they were like lecturing me like I just broke their law. And that was already operating. And all I wanted to do was get some advice from them. So city engineer, number one, talk to them. What can you send down the drain? What are they going to make you do? Some cities may have a like a tariff or an additional cost on your waste because you're an industrial use and you're industrial waste. And they have to pre-treat it. So they'll charge you extra for that. Um, so that waistlines, grease traps, rooftop units. Are the rooftop units functioning? get a reputable mechanical contractor to look at them and fire them up to make sure that they're operating. Um, Also have them check your hood. You know, has that hood been cleaned? Does the Ansel system work for it? If you're doing something with grease and uh, frying underneath it, if it has an Ansel system, if it's existing in the space, make sure that's up and running. Do you have the proper water line coming into the space? Because again, breweries have a high water demand. Can you have the proper pressure to do what you need to do to brew your beer? Um, and then the other thing is, is, you know, try and get the, you know, the, the specs on the water from the city. I mean, if it's coming out of the Detroit municipal water system, you know, your water's pretty darn good. But if you're coming from somebody that's pumping it from a well, treating it themselves, putting it in a storage tank and pumping it to you, can they supply your demand or, you know, are you going to get rusty water coming at you and now you got to put a full RO system in, which is a cost that you didn't think about. Um, trench drains, are they in the proper location? Uh, flooring, you know, if it is an existing restaurant that you're going to put your, your brewery equipment in, does it have epoxy on it? Is it the proper epoxy? It's not going to get broken down by the cleaning agents for your brewery tanks. Um, are the trench drains and epoxy done right? Because that has been always the biggest, you know, maintenance item for any brewery that I've seen is the epoxy cracks right by the trench drain and then you're constantly repairing it and patching it and redoing it and it becomes a nightmare. Um, the other things too uh, on, on, on that is if it was an existing say bar or restaurant, they had an existing cooler for beer and they have tap lines, how old are those tap lines? How old is the equipment? You know, do you want to risk cleaning it or is it better to just pull it all out and redo it? Uh, so again, that's one of the items to look at. How long has this building been sitting? 
because again, that is going to, you know, become an issue. We've had restaurants and, and breweries go in that or brewery that go into an existing restaurant that had the proper size hot water tank. And when they filled it, they found out that this $9,000 water tank leaked like a sieve because the previous owner never drained it and it froze because they shut the heat off to the building for three years. And it broke seals everywhere. So those are the items to start taking. It's mainly the mechanical systems. You know, walls, roof, uh, structure, flooring. Take a look at what's your flooring. We just went through with a distillery that wanted to um, take over and purchase a building. And it had a basement. It's right where the, you know, fermenting tanks would go to get their low wines, where the distillery was going to go and everything like that. And this building was built early 1900s it was supported by two by eights it's you're not putting any load on that other than people walking back and forth so that became like a forty thousand dollar cost just to rebuild a small section that was maybe 300 square feet of flooring to be able to support the load and the weight that was going on top uh so those are the items to start taking a look at those are the usually the larger ticket items finishes walls stuff like that those are usually are lower, and those can be worked out easily. But the, the bigger items, um, structural is roof structure. Is it wood? Is it metal? Can it support a chiller if you're putting a chiller up there or two chillers up there? Can it support the fans for your hoods if you have hoods? Um, especially if you have an open uh, uh, boiling ton or a louder ton. I mean, the steam's just going up. You got to have a hood over that. So you got to put equipment on the roof, fan, everything else. Do we have the capacity to support that weight? So that would be from a structural component. Those are about the items I can think about. All right. Well, as we end each and every show, we all ask one final fun question to get to know you um, a little bit more before we send you on your way. Uh, Starting with Wendy. Wendy, what is your final question for Harold? Well, I am pretty sure that you've been to a brewery or two, so I'm just curious, is there a brewery out there that you have been to that you did not get to design that you're like, man, this place is cool? Ooh, wow. Um, There has been a couple. Um, It's going to be one down in Houston, Texas, and um, I remember something Buffalo. I can't remember the full name of it, but it was a really, really cool space. The entry was really neat when you walked in. It was two or three stories. You could look down into the brew house, had a massive outdoor seating area. It was just a really neat space. So that one comes to mind the most. Uh, Buffalo Bayou. That's it. Thank you. Gary, what's your final question for Harold here? Um, if what would you like to build next? What would I like to build next? Yeah. Ooh, um, I want to get. Uh, uh, I'd love to do a brewery or distillery that's larger than twenty barrels. I like to get into a very large facility and um, be able to do something like that. Dan. All right, we'll keep this one really simple. What is your favorite beer currently? So my favorite beer style is going to be Belgian Triple. And anytime I see one on a menu, I'm going to go ahead and try it. If I had to say the favorite of that uh, type would be Dragon Mead currently. 
Um, but I do have sort of favorites at each one of the breweries uh, that we designed. Sneaky Squirrel up at Stiggs, um, 18 Hands High over at Draft Horse, uh, Silverback at Rustic Leaf, um, Evil Penguin at Sheboygan Brewing Company, or I'm sorry, uh, Calyx Trace Brewing Company, the uh, Blood Orange Honey at Sheboygan. Um, yeah. That's the one thing I do. I, I don't get a chance to like drink and not drive. So I always have to go with the lower ABV beers these days and Belgian triples are never uh, available. So I'll, if, if I get final absolution at home or Unibrew, uh, La Fin de Moon, um, I'll bring that home. Uh, so I, I prepped you for this question yes. before we go tonight. <laughs> uh, back when we had John Mallet on the show, uh, he talked about a brewery in Southfield called Etouffe, which was a brewery and restaurant over above, I believe, the Star Southfield uh, Theater. Yes. This brewery was put in and then basically bricked in um, to the point where I believe it was impossible to get out and was still in the facility as of when Star Southfield closed in mm. the uh, year 2020. Um, so my question to you is whose idea would it be to have done something that crazy and how would they have gotten it out after the fact? Oh my God. Um, I have no idea who would have thought of doing something like that. Who would want to sit there and build in a, a, you know, equipment that you could never remove, never replace, never service. That's just nuts. Um, I think the only way you're going to get it out is when they demo that place completely and redevelop that site. Uh, I know it's been shut down now since 2006 is when Etouffee closed. Um, and then I know the the uh, Star Theater shut down the theater during COVID in 2020 and then never reopened it. It's still just sort of dead there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I would never design something that you can't service. Um you know, and, you, and this is and that's a challenge sometimes, especially when you get very complicated buildings as to how do we get something in and how do we get something out. And knowing from the brewing industry, a lot of the equipment suppliers, they just drop your equipment at the curb. It's up to you to get it into your space. So, I mean, at that point, that was that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That, well, we, and it's we, mechanical, so it's going to fail eventually. It's going to fail. Yes, something is going to go wrong and something you're going to need to replace. I, I just don't understand why anybody would have done that. Yeah, I I don't know because the, the lore of the brewery has, has grown um, since 2006 because obviously <laughs> um, I actually was trying to research it uh, earlier today and all I could find was a Cranes article about it opening and a Cranes article about it closing. Um, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, I believe Steven Johnson talked about it in his Detroit beer book um, mm. as like a little blip, but that was about it. So I was yeah. I was just curious about uh, if you knew anything about the physical site itself, if it was still no. there, if there's, you know, a- anything going on. But yeah, as you said, uh, if something goes wrong and you have to replace something like you can't even replace like you have to fix it or you're yeah. done. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's maybe that's why they closed down is because the beer just sucked. 
I, I didn't see I don't that. know. Uh, who am I, I going to offend? I don't know. He's 17 <laughs> years ago. Uh, I will be honest. I've never been there, and I've never been to that Star Theater. So I, I've never personally stepped foot in that location. I, uh, I, I wasn't old enough to drink by the time they closed, so... Uh, I will definitely age myself young there. Harold, how do they find you? Someone wants to open up a brewery, a restaurant, needs some architecture help. Where can they get a hold of you? Where they can get a hold of us? Okay, we have our webpage, which is uh, www.designteamplus.com, which is all spelled out one word. We do have the Design Team Plus Facebook page. We do also have an Instagram page. And then we also have our YouTube page where we have some of our... um, renderings and animation walkthroughs on some of our religious you know facilities that we've worked on so those are the areas phone number 248-559-1000 it would be where they could call to get a hold of us and love to talk to anybody looking on or expanding or thinking about doing a brewery distillery what about a winery i'll do a winery yeah anything craft beverages just put it that way i'll even do something that does you know non-alcoholic beverages that's like up and coming all right harold thank you so much for joining us i appreciate it that is going to do it for this episode stay tuned we will be back with the craft beer news segment uh but no matter what you think of your beer we think it's better on draft have a good night cheers cheers